We are excited to be here today. Amen? Amen. I hope you're excited. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Just real quick, uh, out of our bulletin, a couple of quick just announcements. Don't forget to grab a bulletin. A lot of information in there. Uh, next Sunday is our Mother's Day service, so we just want to be sure. Uh, invite, come with your mom, bring your mom if you have a mom, and, and uh, let's celebrate. We're going to be honoring all of our mothers next week with a special gift. Uh, so we always look forward to that time that we can honor all of our mothers. And then in a couple of weeks, Dr. Mark Contende is going to be with us dynamic preacher you don't want to miss that so just grab be sure and grab a bulletin our senior luncheon a couple of weeks away a lot of good stuff happening vbs coming up a couple of months but those are things that we can pray about and amen and believe god for amen has god been good to you amen he's good amen i hope you're ready to worship the lord this morning oh glory i want to invite you to stand we're going to open in prayer Hallelujah. We're going to worship together this morning. Oh, glory, glory. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. There's nothing I like better than coming together with the family of God and worshiping God together. Amen. He's worthy of our praise, church. He's worthy of our worship. There's power in your praise this morning. And I tell you, there's power in your praise. I don't know where you're at, what you're going through. Maybe you don't feel like praising the Lord, but I can tell you that there's power in your praise. When you begin to lift Him up, you scatter the enemy. The victory's already been won. We just need to come in agreement, hallelujah, this morning, that He's bigger than anything I'm faced with as we magnify Him this morning. Amen? Oh, glory, let's do it today. Let's magnify the Lord. Let's lift Him up and exalt Him for who He is today. Father, we praise You, Lord. We love You today. We thank You today, Lord God, that You're a mighty God. Father, that You're a God, Lord God. Oh, above all things, above all the heavens and all of the earth, Lord God, that You're sovereign, God. Oh, we pray that you'll have your way in our service today, that you'll touch every heart and every life today, God, that you would wash us this morning with your word, that you would flood our hearts and our souls with your presence, with your joy, unspeakable, full of glory. Father, be glorified as we lift our worship to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pray and then help. 
praise him for his love. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. For all you've done, Jesus. All you're going to do, Lord. We bless you. Great and mighty is our God. Nothing is too difficult for our Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you draw near. And how great is our let's worship him. So great and all 
trust. You cast every burden and place every care in your loving, compassionate, all-powerful hands. We thank you, Lord, that the arms that hold the universe are the arms that hold our lives. We find great confidence. We find great peace knowing that our lives are secure in thee. And we thank you for the arms of heaven that never fail us and never forsake us, that keep us going and keep us strong every step of the way. And in that we give you praise, and in that we give you glory. And all God's people said, let's give the Lord a clap offering of praise and thanksgiving. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. What a peace to know that God holds us safe and secure. Amen? Amen. That sometimes our grip can get tired, but his never does. Isn't that right? Sometimes our arms can grow weary, but his arms never grow weary. And what a great peace you and I have just to be able to rest and say, God, you got it covered. Lord, I did my part. Now I just give you the rest and know you'll bring me safely through. Amen? God bless you. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, children, you're dismissed to Children's Church. And there's Sister Amy, and she'll take you. Hey, buddy. Amen. If you have your Bibles and you're with me, if you would go to Judges chapter 13. In Judges chapter 13, and we're starting a, sh a short series on the life of Samson. Uh, next week is Mother's Day, and so, Lord willing, we'll look at Deborah, a mother in Israel. Amen? That great woman of faith, and um, we'll look at her. But this morning, we started like a four-part series from the life of Samson. This will be Act 1, and so we're going to read, and then we're going to dive into it. Samson, Act 1, Parents and Promise, Parents and Promise. Now, Judges 13 and verse 1, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Now a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of Danites had a wife that was barren and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that, what you, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. She tells her husband about it. Then in verse 8, after her husband hears, Manoah prays to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let that man of God you sent us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Lord, teach us how to raise these kids, because it's not always easy. And then all the way down to verse 24 and 25. The woman did give birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Dan between Zorah and Ashdod. Again, we're going to use as a title this morning, Samson, Act 1, Parents and Promise. Now, the, the book of Judges that we'll be in for this next month or so, it's the time after Joshua's conquest and before David's reign. 
And in many ways, it's a spiritual roller coaster. There's a lot of ups and a lot of downs here. And the two main reasons for it is, number one, four times you'll read in the book of Judges that in those days, Israel didn't have a king. They had no king. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's always a trouble. That's always trouble. They became a law unto themselves, and they had kind of rejected divine authority and divine structure, and they got out of divine order, and that always causes problems. But then secondly... We see in the second chapter of Judges, it says that after the death of Joshua, and after the death of the elders that served with Joshua, another generation grew up that neither knew the Lord nor the things that he had done. A generation grew up that didn't know God personally, that had not experienced the power and the glory of God personally. And each generation must have their own encounter and commitment to the Lord. Each generation must have their own encounter with the Lord, own commitment to God, a personal knowing, a personal walk. It can't be a second-hand deal that'll never survive. A second-hand deal will never last. Now, these are the things that kind of created a spiritual vacuum where God's people were void of godly leadership, of practical righteousness, of, um, of, of structure, of divine structure and order. It was a time when God's people were in great danger of losing their spiritual identity and their distinction from the other nations. And it's very important. Separation and distinctiveness are two very important characteristics of the people of God. It's a people that the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that we're taught to come out from among the world and be a separated people to come out from the world's morals and, and priorities and value system and, and be a separate people unto God. Jesus, in fact, told us that though we're in this world, we're not of this world. His followers are not of this world. We have a different mindset. We serve a different Lord. We bow to a different creed. We are governed by a different law. And that keeps us distinct and separated so we can shine His light and have that power of salt to make a change in a world that needs it so much, but, but instead of being separated and distinctive, the people of God here um, gave in to a spiritual apathy, which led to a moral or a spiritual accommodation, and they got very close to assimilation. They almost lost the nation. They were in danger of just being swallowed up by the spiritual ruin all around them. And like our great nation today, our greatest danger isn't so much militarily, but the spiritual and cultural erosion and seduction of the age, moral and spiritual desensitizing and deception, a greater danger than the natural enemies of terror or violence. Now, Samson's time was really no different. We see in chapter 13 and verse 1, there were 40 years of oppression, 40 years in the very land that God had given them. In the very land they were supposed to rule and enjoy the blessing of God, they were reduced to oppression and servanthood. And unique to Samson's time, which is different than other portions even in this negative time in their history, there was such an apathy, there was such a complacency that there's no crying out to the Lord. At other times in the judges' period, Israel would reach a place of desperation and they would cry out to God and the Lord would hear them, but not this time. Picture the backslider that had become so lulled and so deceived, so blinded by the enemy that they were apparently unaware or uncaring of the great danger that they were in. 
They were getting content with being ruled instead of ruling. They were getting callous so they could no longer sense the grieving of God's spirit in the way they lived. They had grown accustomed to allowing things the way they were, which was not God's will by a far shot. They became okay with Philistine rule over them, even to the point, even to the point of resenting Samson when he attempted to deliver them and began to do mighty exploits to deliver them. They cried out, and we'll see this in later chapters, don't rock the boat, Samson. Samson, don't stir up any trouble. And stop reminding us of our condition. You're making us feel awful guilty. In fact, at this time, much of the kingdom of Judah, the tribe of Judah, the whole territory, much of the territory was under Philistine rule, and they were content. And they were content to accept it. My friends, may we never be content with the moral condition of our world. May we never be content with the numbers, the countless numbers that haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we never be content with uh, um, the status quo of religion or just playing church. Instead, let us be sincere and on fire, fully in love with Jesus, people. Let us be a bold and passionate. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, people. Can you say amen? Oh, Lord God, keep us sensitive that we might sense the Spirit when He is grieved, that we might sense the Spirit when He is groaning, that we might be a people that will stand up and speak up and make a difference in the world that we live. Samson was a judge, one God raised up to rule and to deliver and to defend His people. And out of all the judges... Samson was really in a category all by himself. Kind of like Churchill describing the Russians back in 1939. He said, they're they're a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. And in some way, Samson could be described like that. He was erratic. He was unpredictable. He was undependable. He was double-minded. He was bold before men, but weak before women. Empowered by the Spirit, crippled in the flesh. He fought the Lord's battle by day and then disobeyed the Lord's commands at night. His name meant sunny, bright, sunny Samson. But he ended up in darkness, blinded by the very people he was called to deliver and conquer. Let us remember this important principle that we see throughout this story. It's not how you start. But it's how you finish that really matters. We must be determined to finish strong and faithful. Wholly committed to the Lord. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. On one hand, it's a sobering warning that all of us need to heed. This regardless of what I've accomplished or experienced this far in my walk with God... I must remember and remind myself again and again, Joe, it's not how you start. You've got to finish strong. You've got to endure to the end. You've got to finish your race faithfully, fighting your good fight of faith until you see Jesus face to face. I must continue to love Jesus and serve Jesus and stand confidently and boldly for the Lord. No falling out, no turning back. No getting acclimated or compromising with this world. I must finish faithfully if I'm going to win the prize. Can you say amen? Amen. Not how you start, it's how you finish. 
When I stand before God, it won't be what I did 20 years ago. It'll be, how were you living when you breathed your last breath? It's a sobering thought, but it's also an encouraging thought in this sense. Because if you're here today and you can hear me, you might have started out late in life or maybe you stumbled or compromised, strayed along the way. But if you're still breathing, then you need to know that it's not too late to finish strong with God. It's not too late to get serious about your Christianity and to make a fresh surrender and commitment to the one that is a God of a second chance, that is a God that is a restorer. You might be here today and you one time served God and you love God and you're on fire with God, but now you're lukewarm or now you're not living the way you need to live and you know it. Today is your day to make a fresh halter, to make a fresh commitment, to get on with the race and finish strong. Can you say amen to that? I remember being in a, a tree nursery one time and there was a sign that said the best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago. Second best time to plant a tree is today. Somebody today gets serious with God. Today, come out of that ungodly relationship that you're in. Today is the day to say, Lord, I'm not going to play games anymore. When I see you, Jesus, I want to hear you say, well done. I don't want to play the fool and wake up one day being lost and being rejected from God. Oh, come on, give me a better amen. Let us never forget it's not how you start. Let us be determined. We will finish strong, faithful, loyal to the very end. Serving our God. Serving his church. Like the song we love to sing, the world behind me. That cross before me, there'll be no turning back. There'll be no turning back. Samson started out strong. He started out strong. Samson was a man not only of heavy responsibility, but of high privilege. Started out strong. His birth and calling was announced by the angel of the Lord. He was born to godly and loving parents. He was dedicated to God at birth, set apart for special service. As he grew up, he knew the blessing of God from an early age. He experienced the special blessing of the Lord all his days. The Holy Spirit endued him with unique strength and power from early manhood. Take note, Samson's life was a life of promise, and Christian, so is yours. Just like Samson, you have divine purpose, you have perfect placement, and you have sufficient power. Just like Samson, you have a divine purpose. There's a reason that you're breathing this morning. God has a good will and a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not an accident, but God has lives for you to touch. God has tasks for you to accomplish. God has goals for you to achieve. Like Samson, you have divine purpose and you have perfect placement again. You're not here by the roll of the dice. You weren't born to the parents you were born to in the time you were born. You're not sitting here today 
by mere accident. There's a divine placement upon your life. Not only did God make you, but he orders your steps and he orders your days. You're here in the divine place of God's placement and God's sending. I want to say it again. There is a divine purpose for every child of God. There is a perfect placement for every child of God. And there is a sufficient power for every child of God. The same Holy Ghost that touched Samson's life is the same Holy Spirit that lives within you that will give you power to do what God has called you to do. Can you say amen? What a thought, just like Samson. My Lord, my Lord. Woo, divine purpose, perfect placement, sufficient power. You can face whatever you need to face and overcome whatever you need to overcome. For greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. Somebody, don't look to yourself and your own frailty. Look to the power of God that dwells in you. Look to the loving Savior that rules over you. And know that you know you can live out the life God's called you to live. And when hell gets in your way, you're able to defeat him and overcome him and fulfill the call God placed on your life. Samson, he started out strong. But we learn, we learn, spiritual privilege is no guarantee of spiritual success. Obviously, it's helpful. Helpful. But spiritual privilege is no guarantee of spiritual success. Remember our title, Parents and Promise. Parents and Promise. Samson had good, godly, concerned, loving parents. But ultimately, Samson, like all of us, was a product of his own choices. There's only so much a parent can do. Young person, there's only so much a parent can do. Sooner or later, you've got to make your stand, and you've got to make your bold confession for Christ, and then live it out. Samson's parents. We see in chapter 13 that they were a people of faith, spiritual devotion, worship, prayer, holiness, obedience. They were good, godly, loving, concerned parents. And they did have a role to play. The Lord told them so. They had a role to play in Samson's life and calling like we all do. Dr. Tony Evans writes, the mark of an authentic parent is not that they are not out to please, is that they're not out to please the child. They're out to do what's best for the child. If a parent pleases the child all the time, the child is the parent. The mark of an authentic parent is that they are not out to please the child. They're out to do what's best for the child. When we study the word of God, friend, it's no wonder the kingdom of darkness has an all-out offensive on the family. For there is no greater influence and responsibility to influence than the home. Before the schools, before society, government, before even the church, the home has the greatest God-given responsibility and influence on a child. Samson had good and godly parents. Parents, let's look together at some thoughts from God's word concerning our children. Let's recognize our children as a gift from God entrusted to us. Being a parent is a privilege. Can you say amen? Amen. It's a tragedy that we live in a society that too often sees the unborn baby as a menace 
instead of a miracle, as an intruder instead of an inheritance. Look at Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a heritage, they're a blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward from him. Let us recognize, parents, your child as God's gift and God's reward to you. Recognize their uniqueness because every one of them is different. Recognize your responsibility to raise them to know the Lord and to love the Lord and to fulfill their God-ordained purpose for life. Samson had godly parents. And they had a role to play in Samson's life, just like we all do. They had a role to play. I remember reading a story. A wife was reading in the newspaper an article on parenting. She said to her husband, according to, the, to this, parents should set limits where children are concerned. Dad looked over the sports section and said, I agree, and my limit is two. Two. That's all. He says, I can't handle any more than that. My limit's two. Amen. Parents have a role to play in their children's lives. And the scripture gives you and I some very important principles to raise our children to know God and to be strong in God, to fulfill our role as good and godly parents. Deuteronomy 6, verses 2 through 7. The background of this, these verses is a real family scene. The people of God are getting ready to go into the promised land, but they're together in families. There's the husbands and wives um, there's the children. Because before they can conquer, before they can settle, they have to conquer the land. They conquer, they divide, then they settle and live. But God has a concern when all the victory is over and it's time to settle and live. God's concern is that once they settle, that they'll be careful, not be careful and get indifferent and ultimately forget him. Because God knows in a nation, for a nation to be secure and successful and prosper, the family unit must be strong. That there is no strong nation without a strong family. And so as the people of God get ready to go and take the promised land, God gives them these words so that you... And your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands I give you and so that you may enjoy long life, blessed life. Verse 3, hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it will go well with you. God gives us his word because he wants it to go well with us. Come on, say amen to that. God gives us his structure, his plan, his principles because he wants it to go well with us. That you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Verse 7. Impress them. Diligently teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, all right? Now, again, the background, the nation of Israel, they're getting ready to go in and take the land. But before they can settle down and enjoy the land, they've got to divide it, conquer it, overcome the enemy. Then once they do, God wants to make sure that this 
nation succeeds to be the nation he wants it to be. And he knows that cannot happen if the family unit is not strong, loving, and fearing the Lord. So we look at this, and here we go in these verses. We read, we read here the Jewish confession of faith, the Shema. And, and it gives us these four godly um, pillars, four godly um, principles to keep a home strong and healthy, to raise children for the glory of God. We see in verse 4, hear the truth continually. Hear the truth continually. Verses 3 and 4, hear the truth continually. Four pillars of a godly home. Number two, love the Lord fervently. Verses 5 and 6, love the Lord fervently. Number three, teach the young diligently. 7 through 9, teach the young diligently. And finally, number four, fear the Lord greatly. Fear the Lord greatly. Four pillars as the nation gathers in families and they see the promised land, knowing that soon the armies will go in and conquer and it's time to settle down, it's time to live. And God wants it to go well with them just like he wants it to go well with you and well with me, just like he wants to bless your home and he wants to bless mine. So he gives us some instructions so that we can build a home that will succeed and enjoy the blessing of God. And the first thought is hear the truth continually. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Strong families lean hard on certain unshakable facts. And this is a major one. This is a major um, pillar. Hear the truth continually. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Somebody say our God. Our God, the Lord is one. This is a truth they need to hear again and again and again from the earliest of age. The Lord is our God. We acknowledge his presence, his place, his rule over our lives. We seek his will and we endeavor to walk in his way. Just like Joshua had said some years earlier, or I should say Joshua would say some years later, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, regardless of what others do, your brother-in-law might not raise them to love God and honor his house. You raise them to love God and honor his house. Your sister might choose not to follow the ways that she was raised in. You make up your mind. You will follow the ways you were raised in. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We trust him and we obey him. In time of trouble, we call upon him. In time of blessing and prosperity, we honor him and give him glory for it. Sons here, daughters, listen up. Jesus is our Lord. There's no one like him. There's no one that can be compared to him. There is no one that will ever love you like Jesus. His words are true. His words are trustworthy. His power and his presence, they're, they're real. He's faithful. He's mighty. He's loving. He's holy. And he's kind. He's good. His word is true. And his salvation is great. And his salvation is real. Sons and daughters, let's serve him. Let's love him. Let's put our trust in him. Let's never cease to lack from seeking him and honoring him with our lives. When times are hard and the future is uncertain, when situations are complex, we repeat words like that, affirming our faith, affirming our confidence in the Lord, our God, the true and the living God, proclaiming his goodness and his faithfulness to us. Let such truth be heard. It's got to be heard continually, allowing it to become a foundation of strength and an anchor of stability. 
Let it become almost like a spiritual and moral reflex, our faith in God. So ingrained within our hearts and minds that it's almost a reflex in how we, we act. When things are sinful, we say, no, no, no. We serve the Lord Jesus. When things are hard, we don't shrink back in fear. We're confident, we're secure because we serve the Lord Jesus. When we have a decision to make, we're not listening to what they say in the White House. First, we're going to the B-I-B-L-E and we're saying, what does the Almighty say in His book? That is how we live. The Lord is our God. And him only shall we serve. And that truth needs to be heard continually. It begins, it has to become like a mental, emotional, moral reflex. It's heard so often. And it's lived out. Hear the truth continually and love the Lord fervently. Verses 5 and 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Notice the alls, how the alls stand out. The, the repetition is emphasized in totality. Our love for God is total, not partial. It's fervent, not casual. It's genuine, not questionable. The person down the street will know how they live in this house. The neighbors will know they're not cracking Budweiser at that house. They're going to know, don't, don't bother selling the, the bingo raffle over there. Not at that house. Come on, say amen to that. Uh, come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean. Get rid of the unclean thing from your house. Get rid of the unclean. If there's unclean stuff in your house, in the name of you, get rid of it. Stop whining to God while things aren't working right and you refuse to work with God to position yourself for his victory. Come on, say amen to that. I know I'm not in the notes, but my God, I can't stand playing games any longer. Some people for 20 years, you've been a problem and had messes, but you've got to get home and clean out the house. You've got to make adjustments. It's called repenting. Repent means turn. Turn from your sin. Give God his proper place. And then watch the blessing and compassion of the Lord Jesus flow. Say amen. It's very hard for me to transfer to my child a principle I do not fully embrace. But a parent's sincere and fervent love for the Lord carries a great, persuading influence in the lives of their children. Because truth is more permanently transferred by our lives than just our lips. Hear the truth continually. Love the Lord fervently. Love the Lord fervently. Love him wholeheartedly. Don't just love him casually. Don't just love him conveniently. Love him continually. Can you say amen? amen. Teach the young diligently. Teach the young diligently. Look, look at verse 7. Impress these commandments, impress these words, impress these principles, impress them on, on your children. New King James said, diligently teach them. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Teach the young diligently, both modeling consistently 
and expressing them thoroughly, both modeling and communicating truth. Both are needed. Both modeling, but you know, you're just talking it and you're not walking it. That's a joke. Come on, say amen. But modeling also has its limits. Because then we're just expecting osmosis. It's not osmosis. The Word of God says you verbalize it. You communicate it. You explain it. You reinforce it. So there's a modeling and then there's a communicating. This is what the Bible is saying. Hallelujah. Someone says, I don't feel good. Well, get good and you won't worry about this. <laughs> Man came to Brother Hagee one time and says, I feel guilty. He said, that's because you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right that's all right well what, what the old man say brother Clendenin, the old he's with the lord now he said you know there's a pack, pastor Todd, there's a pack of dogs out there in the parking lot and one of the ushers goes and throws a stone at them you know to get rid of them the only one that howls is the one he hits the only one that howls so sometimes when there's a howl that just means ouch you got it what are you going to do about it Let's get it right with God. Let's repent. Let's clean it up with God. Let's give God room to heal. Let's give God room to restore. Let's, God give, let's give God room to do some good things in life. But we got to do our part. How many know that? Amen. Teach the young diligently. This speaks of deliberate teaching through repetition. Telling them over and over as well as modeling it. That word impress is an interesting word. Now, your new King James will say, diligently teach them. But really, in the Hebrew, it's actually, it's the word sharpen. And in the Hebrew, it's actually, intensity is added to it. You shall intensely sharpen your son. Sharpen them. Shape them. Speak to them. That word again. The word again. Intentional involvement in the education process. Intentional involvement. We send them to Sunday school, and that's important. Hopefully, Sunday school is reinforcing what they're hearing at home. It's going to send them to youth group, and that's very important. But hopefully, youth group is just enforcing what they're hearing at home. They're hearing it here for an hour. They're hearing it here all 24-7. Amen? They're seeing it, and they're hearing it. And that's shaping them and sharpening them, molding them. Chuck Swindoll writes, God's desire is that there be a conscious, consistent transfer of God's truth from the older to the younger in the family. God's desire, there be a conscious. It's not going to happen. Conscious, consistent transfer of God's truth from the older to the younger in the family. And again, as we look, as you read this verse, as, as you walk along the road, as you sit at home, when you lie down, when you get up, it's not just talking about formal lecture here. I think that's important to notice. Not informal. You know, my, 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 my dad, I don't know if my dad ever did a PowerPoint or an outline in his life. Amen? No, no, no. He never, he didn't, he never sat down, we're going to do devotions. But I'll tell you what, he was early at everything. You get there 30 minutes before the Little League game. Little prayer wouldn't hurt right now, boy. Buy a good game, don't you get cocky. He made you and he can break you. Humility. Isn't that right? He take me through, open that door for that lady. Yes, sir. Amen. Just along the way, walking, talking, amen. Just speaking it. Just <laughs> you see, this is 
the context of this instruction is during regular conversation. Isn't that easy? You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to go to school and know Greek and Hebrew. Regular conversation. We, we talk about spiritual at home, in the home of the godly. We talk about spiritual things like, like we talk about everything else. Deliberately, comfortably. Like we'll talk about fishing, sports, or the weather. We talk about the things of God. We talk about how we apply our faith. We talk about what the Lord says about situations in school or in the country. We explain spiritual principles to our children when certain things come up so they know how we apply it and what it means. We're helping them take it from Sunday school to real life. Four pillars of a godly home for raising godly children. Let them hear the truth continually. Jesus is Lord. God is good. The Bible is true. Prayer really works. God has called us to be a special people. The Lord our God. <laughs> and love the Lord fervently. He's our God and we serve him. That's why we live like we live. For those of you that didn't raise up, you weren't raised up in Bible Belt. Yeah, there's a big difference. We don't do certain things because we're Christians. Well, they go to saints. No, 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 no. We don't do certain because we're Christians. We follow the Lord. We, we're, we obey the Bible. We don't use certain language in this home. We don't watch certain things in this home. Amen? We don't go certain places. Not if you belong to this home. But everybody else is. Mm -mm -mm. Everybody else is. The Lord is not their God. The Lord our God. As for me in this house. Can't talk about what my brother's doing today with his kids. Can't talk about. As for me in my house. Got no control over your house. Just got control over. Got control over. One more time. I know saying that too strong brings conviction on some, but you're going to have to get down to the altar and say, God, I wasn't lying. Hear the truth continually. Love the Lord fervently. Teach the young diligently. One of the best ways to teach them is, number one, you be real, and then spend time with them. Isn't that easy? you got to be real. <laughs> but we're going to reproduce what we is. Amen. All right. You, but then once you just spend time with them. You don't need a PowerPoint. You don't need a whiteboard, blackboard, flannel board. Don't need any of that. You just make sure you're living it and then just spend time with them. Go fishing. Amen. Go on a trip. You know, go bowl a few. I mean, just spend time. You're modeling it. You're communicating it. Don't have to be a devotional prepared. Just let conversation flow. We're Christians. Everything we talk about got a God emphasis somewhere on it. God of God, hallelujah. It says, fear the Lord greatly. Fear the Lord greatly. Wow. We hold him in the house of the godly. We have a special reverence for God. We hold him in highest regard, publicly and privately. We honor his name 
His house, His word, His commandments, His presence, His power. We don't joke about certain things when it comes to the things of God. Hallowed be thy name. Certain things come on the TV, off goes the TV. Hallowed be thy name. We fear the Lord greatly. And before we can, you know, that's a topic all by itself, but it's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And the fear of the Lord will cover just about every area of life, having a proper reverence for the living God. Amen? Whether I'm at the mall, the restaurant, in the privacy of my home, we have a reverence for the true and living God. It affects the jokes we tell. It affects how and what we spend our money on. Amen? This is a reverence for the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Samson Act 1. Parents and promise. Under Samson we say, Lord, help us to finish strong. Let's remember it's not how we start. If you have a good start, keep it up. Keep going. Thank God for it. But it's not how we start ultimately. It's how I finish. If you're here today and somehow you started stuttering, maybe you've drifted, well, today's your day. Make a fresh commitment, get a fresh start, and from here on in, get serious about your Christianity and finish strong. Finish strong. Isn't that good? Someone says, I didn't get saved until I was 70. Well, you got a few years left. Finish strong. Amen? Finish strong. Let the world know something real happened when you said yes to Jesus. Amen? We can't do anything about the past. All we got is the present. And parents, let's recognize the great privilege and responsibility we have in raising our children. They really are a gift from God. They might try your patience. You might lose more hair than what you got. But they're a blessing from God. They're a blessing from God. You see, God Almighty take two separate lives and make them one. And then God gives us the power. That's why sex is to be so reverent. Because God gives us the power to create. What a power. I don't, I don't got power to make mountains. I got power to make humans. When God allows one man and one woman to be joined together with his blessing, and then together they produce in their image after their likeness. Wow. Wow, what a thought. What a thought. Let's recognize the great privilege and responsibility we have for raising our children. And let us give our very best efforts to follow the Bible instruction in doing so. Amen? All right. As we, as we close and we open the altar, I know I got off the notes. Usually I come down here and I get off the notes. But there is a great, great attack on the family. And sometimes the church has messed things up. You know, you know, the church can get deceived. And in our great effort to do everything family, sometimes we miss God out. And I don't know what we did. We haven't helped the families sometimes when we're trying to help the families. 
And the greatest thing any family can do is have mother and father totally committed and sold out to the Lord Jesus. Living the life, modeling the life, communicating the life, loving their kids. Understanding the role and privilege they have as parents. It's a beautiful thing. It's a precious thing. It's a true privilege that God gives us. Let's do our part as we close. If you're here today and you're not where you need to be with God, today is a good day. Say, Lord, I want to finish strong. I can't live off my spiritual exploits of 30 years ago. I want to finish strong. You might have just got saved yesterday and you might be 85. You got a couple of years left, Lord willing, finish strong. Let's serve God with those years you got left. Give God your best. And especially for those that have children still in the home, I want you to recognize what a privilege God has given you. Take advantage of that privilege. Be with them as often as you can. Speak into their lives as much as you can. If you get time to be with them, be with them. You get full of Jesus and that'll just permeate over. You don't have to be anything planned. You don't got to write an outline. Just go shopping with them. Just go play ball with them. In your presence, if your presence is full of Jesus, your presence is going to affect them. Amen? As normal conversation comes up, we talk about God like we talk about anything else. But the devil works at separating. You can't influence when you're separated. But God says commune, commune, communicate. All right? Walk together. Fellowship together. Hallelujah. So if you're here today and you need to make a fresh commitment, please do so. If you're here today and you just need to seek the Lord and say, Lord, I want to finish strong. I'm doing all right, but I want to finish strong. I know life has seasons. None of us are who we were 25 years ago. But we can do what we can do in the now. Can you say amen? Amen. Say, Lord, I want to finish strong right now. I might not be able to preach like I used to. I might not be able to. Endure like I once did, but I can give you what I got now. Let me give my best now. Amen? And if you got children, if you got children, the Bible teaches there are many things. I, I, I hit this another time. The Bible says there are things that God rejects, and there's things that God is drawn to, he, he is attracted to. Faith is one. Praise is another. He's attracted to those things. Humility. God is attracted to humility. So if you're a parent with kids in the house, one of the best things you can do is to be humble enough to say, Lord, help me. Lord, I don't have all the answers, and it's a crazy world. And I'm going to try my best, but Lord, I need your help. And God honors a broken and contrite spirit. God honors the man or woman that just humbles himself and says, Lord, help me. Uh, you might be a single parent. Lord, help me. You might be, Lord, help me. I'm doing my best, but Lord, I can't see it. I can't be everywhere. Lord, help me. The Bible says that you're a husband to the widow and a father to the orphan. You pick up where others aren't there. Lord, help me. So if you've got children under your roof, I want to encourage you to make a fresh altar and say, Lord, help me be the best parent I can be. Give me wisdom. Give me grace. Be there when I can't be there. Because I want to raise these kids to know you and love you and find their way in you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand. Let's stand. Hallelujah. And of course, as always, if you just need prayer for anything, a touch in your body, you're facing a dilemma, please come and we'll lay hands and believe God. But we're going to open the altar so we can pray. God, give us fresh starts. God, help us to be the parents. 
God, help us to be the parents you've called us to be. Oh, God. We pray, Father God, we thank you for the many lessons from this first act in the life of Samson. Father, help each one of us to finish strong. Help us, oh God, to give you our very best every day. And Lord, help the parents, especially those that still have children in their homes. Father, help the parents that are here this morning. Help us to structure our homes and our lives in a way that glorify you and blesses our children. Help us, Lord, to raise our children to grow up to really know you and to love you and to serve you. Father, we confess we, we, we need help. This world's a crazy world. And situations and decisions get complex. So, Lord, help us to love our children the way we should love them. Help us, Lord, to give them advice and good, wise accounts. Help us to be a good model. Help us, Lord, to be able to speak words that will build them up and encourage them in their faith. Father, help us as parents to finish our race faithfully and effectively. Help us to really be tools that build up and strengthen and encourage our kids in the faith. And Father, I just pray for everyone here today that's running the race. Lord, we want to finish strong. You've been good to us. None of us are the men and women we used to be. But, oh God, with the years we have left, with the years we have left, with those years we've spent in a nursing home, use us to touch lives. Use us. Let our room be glorified. Let our room have the presence of God that stands out. Use us with divine appointments. If we're on the job, use us to be a witness. Use us that those around us would see the reality of coming to Christ and living for Christ. If we're in the prime of our days, help us not to waste our prime, but help us to give you our prime, that it would be spent for your glory, that we might live fruitfully, using our years of strength, using our gifts and anointings for that which really matters. Now, fathers, we come to this altar. Fill afresh those that are thirsty, those that want a fresh filling of the Spirit. Fill them, Lord. Let them sense a fresh power come upon them. For those that are making a fresh altar, given the grace of knowing they're forgiven, and knowing that you'll begin to bless them as they run on in a new season, in a new commitment. Father, let your power flow at this altar. Let lives be touched. Let lives be transformed. May the name of Jesus be greatly praised. And all God's people said, let's worship the Lord together. Let's come to the altar. Let's touch God. Let's touch God.